Welcome to the Milestone Mama podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Hollis, wife, boy mom, and former fitness instructor turned photographer, educator, and birth doula. Becoming a mom in 2020 completely changed my life. And even though it was the greatest joy I've ever felt, it definitely came with some challenges that no one could have ever prepared me for. But I found so much healing and community, and that's why this podcast was born. Tune in each week as we uncover all of the nuances of being a mom, from pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and everything in between. If you're ready to connect, to grow, to learn, to feel inspired, seen, and heard, then you've come to the right place. And I'm so glad you're here, Mama. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. Hi again. Welcome back to Milestone Mama. I am so glad you're here for this one because it is good. Gosh, so much good information in this one that you are not going to want to miss. Trust me. Today's interview is with Michelle DiSpirito, who is a certified pediatric sleep consultant. She is incredible. She is who worked with us with our little one, Silas, at four months old and completely changed our lives. Um, Sleep is so necessary. (laughs) There's a reason that they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture. Anyone who has experienced newborn life and beyond knows what I'm talking about. Um, We are just going to dive into all things infant sleep and especially with sleep training. You know, that's kind of a buzzword these days. There's a lot of information going around about it. And in fact, quite a lot of contradicting information and it can get very confusing, especially as a mom, especially as a sleep deprived mom. I know for me, I was very hesitant about sleep training. I thought it meant like neglect and cry it out and I just felt like wrong for even wanting to try it but I definitely reached a point where I needed something I needed some type of help and support because none of us were sleeping and I kind of just needed someone to give me that permission and the structure that it is okay and we're all going to benefit from this in the long run and here's why and here's how so today Michelle is going to explain how sleep training works, why it's important that you and your baby get sleep, and how every family is different. So for you, you know, sleep training might not be the route that you even need to take, but if it is and you feel like you need that go-ahead, then I think this is going to be some great information for you. So we are going to just jump right in. Okay, everybody, I'm here with my friend Michelle Despierto. And like I said in the intro, we are going to be talking about infant sleep today and kind of busting some myths about sleep training, talking about tips for that, how to lay a good foundation when you first have your baby, and all the things. She is super knowledgeable. Like I said, she is the one that saved us in helping Silas sleep, and he's literally sleeping like a little angel right now as we speak. So (laughs) I'm so pumped to chat today. Thanks for being here, Michelle. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. Very honored. Of course. 
one of the debut episodes I'm yeah so for everyone to learn from you yeah. um why don't you just let everybody know a little bit more about you and your family a little bit of your story yeah, absolutely. So I am Michelle. I am wife to Kyle. We've been married 14, going on 15 years. Um, I am mom to Copeland, who just turned four, and Ford, who just turned one. So as you can see from that math, Kyle and I were married quite a while before we had Copeland. Mm-hmm. And um, before I had kids, I was actually a massage therapist, which kind of plays in because it just shows my love for health. Like I've always been fascinated with how the body works and how it functions properly and all of that. And so it's just been interesting seeing kind of the hindsight of how that even plays in now with, as I'm raising my kids, but then with sleep training, because obviously sleep is very vital to our health. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I didn't really realize how much so until I had Copeland (laughs) and was not sleeping. Um, and I didn't even know sleep consultant was a thing until I had Copeland. And I still think it is a fairly new profession, but even still, uh, it saved my life because with Copeland, I went from bed sharing, partly not wanting to, but really honestly, like I, I cherish those days. Like, I'm glad that we were able to have that time, but it got to the point where I wasn't sleeping and then he wasn't even sleeping. Like literally nothing was working. Like whether it was full on, attached to my boob all night long. (laughs) He still was waking up so many times and I did not want to let him cry. But anyways, we ended up having to do some sort of sleep training and I just DIY'd it. I didn't have a sleep consultant help me that time. And it was very hard. I really would have loved to have that support that I love giving moms now, Mm -hmm. but, um, I was able to see that it, it did it did help. He ended up sleeping. He is not scarred for life. Um, (laughs) We have a great bond and all of that. Um, And then I was able to sleep because I was definitely struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety. And that lack of sleep was just really not helping that at all. So fast forward to getting pregnant with baby number two. And I looked at my husband and said, I am not doing that sleep struggle again. (laughs) We are going to be figuring out how to do this from day one. So I had actually already found a sleep consultant that I really vibed with. Um, I really appreciated her approach and just her personality. She wasn't an all or nothing type in the sense of um, super rigid, strict rules, um, she let you be human, <laughs> which is um, wonderful. So I bought her newborn course and really had no like real thought of becoming a sleep consultant at this time. But like I devoured everything this lady put out. Like I absolutely loved the science behind it. I still do. Um, and it was just very intriguing. Again, I think that goes back to my desire for learning about health and such. So Anyways, we have Ford and I started implementing the newborn information um, from night one, like in the hospital, he swaddled and all the things. And we started routines and everything very early on. And I can't say it was perfect sleep, but I can say I can count on one hand how many times I actually got frustrated with his sleep. And that is astronomically better (laughs) than I was with Copeland because Copeland, I can't even count how many times that I was just literally angry (laughs) about his sleep. Mm -hmm. So um, if nothing else, it definitely just having a plan and um, that knowing that I had support was a big deal. So anyways, that's um, just seeing how going from having a child where I had no 
clue whatsoever what I was doing to just having some sort of guidance um, with Ford made such a difference. And I have such a heart for moms and I love um, sharing what I've learned and all of that. And um, there became an opportunity where I could become certified as a sleep consultant. And I'm like, absolutely. Like there was really no question about it. Um, my husband was super supportive of it too. So I got my certification and through Cradle Coach Academy and I've been loving helping moms ever since. So we're just wow. a family that loves to share sleep. <laughs> yes, it is. You don't really realize how important it is until you literally cannot have it and yes. <laughs> you start to feel like a crazy person um, in such a vulner vulnerable state. So I am grateful that we were connected and I'm sure all the moms you help are so appreciative because the gift of sleep, like you always say, is so huge and so important. I know like as soon as we sleep trained Silas within probably like the first day, honestly, I felt my shoulders relax. Like my anxiety levels were just so much like, so they had decreased so much that I felt yes. like a whole new person. Um, and I think you don't even realize that rut that you, you get into and you just feel like that is your life and you don't have any other choice. Um, yes. until yeah. you find these solutions. So, yeah. um, yeah, next time around, I am definitely like reaching out day one and figuring, <laughs> figuring it out in the newborn days because, um, I'll just kind of share a little bit of our newborn story and then we can, we can get into like tips for newborn stage because obviously, yeah, um, you and I weren't connected till I think maybe Silas was like two months when my first reached Yeah. Out. I think he was two, yeah. almost three months old. Yeah. So. Um, and I, looking back now realize, I think a lot of our struggle was, um, also a little bit linked to our nursing problems because I think, yeah. um, he probably would have slept better if he was getting what he needed in that moment, but that's a story for another day. And regardless, it was still, sleep was still an, very much an issue. Yeah. But I remember kind of hitting this wall and being like, man, what am I doing wrong? I'd be on Instagram at like four in the morning, nursing him for the 50 millionth time. And just being like, what gives, you know, like, how are these other moms getting these stretches and getting their baby to sleep in the bassinet? And all these things. And I had just wished that from day one, I would have had someone helping us through that part of it. And just being like, you're not a terrible mom. Like it's not anything you're doing. Here's what you can do to try to help. Um, and just like from the, like you said, from the hospital, start yeah. those foundational things. Um, cause for us, I obviously like it's your first baby, the first couple of days in the hospital, like you just want to hold them. Like I did not want him in there at all. Um, but even when I tried to put him in there, he was really good at breaking out of swaddles. Uh, literally I tried every single swaddle possible. I'm pretty sure everyone on the market and he still <laughs> got his arms out. He just was hell bent on having his arms up. Eventually we ended up with the arms up, um, love to dream swaddle. And that's what we yeah. stayed in for a while, but Anyway, um, after getting home, he did not sleep, not on me. Like I tried everything. I tried, like I said, every single, every single swaddle I tried, um, 
like I even tried putting him in a swing during the day for naps. I tried the docketot. I tried ev- every like possible scenario, a little like vibrator machine on the bassinet and everything. And he just didn't sleep in there. And so ultimately I know this is not safe and it can't be recommended for that reason, but he slept on my chest for probably a good six weeks, I would say. Um, and I did it as safely as I knew how, but it like at that point, I felt like it was safer for me to do that than to not sleep because yeah. I couldn't take care of him when I wasn't sleeping. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so we did that for a while. And then, um, eventually I was able to wean him, I think like into the docketot a little bit. And then after that into the bassinet. And again, I know like Docatot can't be recommended for safe sleep. So I don't want to get you in trouble. I'm just saying what, <laughs> what, what we did and yeah. with you. And I know you're not alone in that. Yeah. Um, and then little by little, I got him sleeping, you know, little spurts in his bassinet. And then I started working really hard once we figured out our feeding situation, Yeah. Um, working really hard at getting him to take naps in his crib during the day. And then he was still in the bassinet with us at night. Um, and then by the time we figured all that out, it was like four months sleep regression hit. Yeah. And we went from having those really good stretches from like eight or nine until two or 3 a.m. to back to um, newborn days, like yeah. up every hour and a half to two hours. And I was like, what happened? I, I know. <laughs> we were doing so good. Yes. Uh, so that's a little bit of our story. And then ultimately, um, Michelle's sister in law, connected us on Instagram and said, Hey, like, I saw that you've been struggling with this. You should reach out to my sister-in-law. She's a sleep consultant. She's kind of local. And I was like, great. Yes, let's do that. And I reached out and Michelle was like, okay, you know, after he turns four months and you get permission from your pediatrician, we can move forward with a program of some sort. And in the meantime, she gave me some great tips to try. So Um, that's a little bit of our personal story and how Michelle and I were connected, but going off of that, maybe you can speak a little on, on that struggle and that season. And maybe what are some foundational things that you typically give your families who either enroll in your newborn course or who just need some tips to get by until they're able to start working with you when the time is right. Yeah, absolutely. So that newborn stage is really hard. Like most parents struggle with that, especially first time parents, because you can read all the books, do all the things, and you just don't know it until you're in it. And every baby's different. Some babies are naturally inclined to sleep long stretches very early on. Most don't, but still. So Mm -hmm. some of my biggest tips that I give families when it comes to newborns is to focus on the feeds first. And so Chelsea, you did the right thing. You had to figure out how you could feed your baby. I mean, you have to be able to, whether you decide to nurse or formula feed, it's, it's whatever you are meant to do. And that's something that you got, you have to figure out on your own. And so once you get that figured out, um, you still through the newborn stages, newborn stage, we focus on feeding on demand. So typically babies want to eat every two to three hours. And I suggest um, waking the baby to feed throughout the day. So not letting them sleep any longer than that two to three hours um, before you feed again. And then if the doctor gives the okay, do not wake them at night to feed. So the idea is trying to, to help them to eat enough 
caloric intake during the day. So they're not having to wake <laughs> during the night to eat, but they are going to need to wake in the night. So there is no, typically babies don't sleep through the night until like anywhere between six to nine months, some much sooner, some a little later, but so don't get your hopes up that you're going to be having a baby that sleeps through the night. Um, so focusing on the feeds um, and then setting up their sleep space so that it's conducive for good sleep. Um, I like recommending a hundred percent dark pitch black room, like so stinking dark that when you go in there, even in the middle of the day, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. So very, very dark um, having a sound machine. So if you think about when your baby was in the womb, it's loud in there, your blood pumping, your when you're talking, your belly gurgling, like it's very loud. So the silence is actually more disturbing for them than having a sound machine going and think of white noise. So no lullabies, but whether it's like box fan noise or even the ocean is fine. Um, so having the sound machine um, and then safe bed as um, Chelsea was saying, like, we don't recommend DACA tots, no bumpers, nothing like that. It's simply a fitted sheet and your baby. That's it. And you can't use a pacifier. I'm pro passy for newborns if they want it. And then when a little bit older, we, we drop that, but, um, and then sticking with routines. So my three things are focus on the feeds, set up the sleep space, and then starting with simple routines. Like a routine doesn't have to be <laughs> this long drawn out process it can be as easy as we change the diaper, put on jammies, go to bed. Like it's just something that is enough steps that it's recognizable. Um, and then baby will then know, oh, this is what happens next. So those are the biggest things that I really like for newborn sleep. Um, and another little tip I'll throw in there is um, the five S's are ways to soothe your baby. So again, kind of going back, thinking about what it was like in the womb, it being loud, it was also very tight <laughs> in there, especially as they grew. So that's why the swaddle is so great is because it recreates that snug feel that they had in the womb. So swaddle, um, sway. And so I think it's almost like a mother's instinct to just I mean, I know even when I watch other moms holding a baby, I start swaying. Mm -hmm. It's just a natural thing to just kind of sway with your baby. So um, it's a good instinct because it is very soothing for them. Because again, thinking about in the womb, they were constantly <laughs> moving yeah. um, and then shushing. So that could be the sound machine again, or even just your shush. Side-lying or stomach is a great position when you're holding them. This is not for when they're in the crib or bassinet because it's only safe to lie them on their back. But if you're comforting them in your arms, having them lying on their side or on their stomach is more, um, it reduces that feeling of vulnerability and just having that little bit of pressure can also help with any gas they may having be having. And then sucking is really good too. So the passy or eating. So, um, but having those things is really, really helpful for the newborns. Those are great tips. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I tried that. I did the, um, the taking care of babies one, like the uh -huh. learn course or whatever, learned all that. And I tried so hard to get him to take a passy and he just refused it. it. Yeah. Um, now we have, neither a, of my boys took it. Either. <laughs> yeah. We have a graveyard of literally every brand of passies and now he just uses them as teethers. So it's, yeah, whatever. They're serving a purpose. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do have a question about, so you mentioned with the sleep space, having it really mm -hmm. dark in there, even during the day, I definitely remember reading some, a little bit of like contrary information when mm -hmm. He was like newborn, newborn saying that during the day to keep it almost like lighter, lighter. like mm -hmm. kind of having him out and about 
so that he knew what was day versus night. Is that true? Or is that not, is that kind of more of a myth? Um, I wouldn't say it's a myth because it is definitely, um, some way, some consultants approach it. Um, so it's not wrong because the truth behind the circadian rhythm isn't fully established until baby is closer to like nine weeks old, because again, thinking about in the womb, it was always dark. <laughs> like they have no idea, uh, night and day. And then, so it'll take some time for them to realize the difference. So I do have actually in my newborn guide, I say that the first four weeks or so you can keep it a little bit brighter in their room if you want to help establish that. But in my opinion, there's already so much stuff on our plate, especially once baby comes that I don't want to have to think about blacking out the room four weeks down the road because four weeks go comes and goes so quickly. And then before we know it, it's never going to be blacked out. <laughs> so I just go ahead and say, and do it. Um, and then other ways to help establish that night day relationship is the routines are for sure going to help with that. Um, having baby come along with you during their wake times, granted their wake times are very short, but when they are awake, having them in that sunlight, going outside and just having you involved um, is, is going to be noticeable. And then making their night feeds um, drastically different from the day feed. So their night feeds are going to be different in the sense of you're going to feed them in their room. Um, I do recommend having a light on. Um, and, but the difference is it's going to be calmer than it is during the day. So, um, just having those subtle differences is going to be enough that they're, they're going to notice, um, and be able to adjust, but we just get better quality sleep when it's as dark as possible. It just encourages our body to release that melatonin to, <laughs> to yeah. get some good deep sleep. So great. And during the day, we don't get as much release of that, but even still anything to encourage it. <laughs> so, right. yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for clearing that Absolutely. up. I definitely tried to get outside as much as possible. Cause I felt like one, it was good for him to like, get a little bit of sun not like direct sun on a baby right yeah, not yeah. like be outside and for, for mom's mental health too it's so so helpful um okay so then let's move into the whole sleep uh, topic I know this is a huge can of worms and I'm sure even those listening might already have their preconceived um opinion about sleep training uh, and we're here to just kind of like break it down, spit some research, <laughs> All right. give you a little bit more permission to feel good about this decision. Because I know like for me, I even told you, I was like, I don't know, like, yeah. I, I don't know if I feel okay with cry it out. And I don't want him to feel like abandoned and I don't want to feel like a bad mom. And, um, it really got to the point where I just was like, I'm ready. I, yeah. and he's ready to, and I think it's important that you're both kind of at that stage when you're ready yes. to train, because it's definitely a bumpy road at the beginning. It's not going to be mm -hmm. perfect. Um, so you have to be like fully like, yes, this is, I'm ready yes. to start and give this a shot. Um, and for us, it was like, like I said, we went back to newborn days. I was a zombie and he honestly stopped kind of letting us put him down. It was like, yeah. we had our good routine. He would take like an extra ounce or two and I'd rock him and he'd fall right asleep when he was tired. But then it was like, that didn't work anymore. It just stopped yeah. working. He would scream and scream. I'd be bouncing him for like 20, 30, 45 minutes. And Jordan and I were just so defeated. We fought like all day. All we did was 
get him down for naps. And at that point, they're still taking like maybe even five naps a day, like four or five naps a day at that point. And so my day was consumed with getting my child to sleep. And then he'd fall asleep for maybe 20 or 30 minutes and all over again. And I just felt like I reached this point of like, I was like, I wake up every day and I feel like all I'm doing is just trying to get through the day. Like there's nothing to look forward to. Like, I just feel so all consumed by this. And I think he's ready to know how to do this on his own because he's not even letting me feed him or bounce him to sleep anymore. And so that was our final um, push. And I also took him to his four week pediatrician appointment. And at the time we were seeing a different pediatrician I've since moved and we went to her and she was like, so you have him sleep trained, right? And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I, I thought like now was when you were going to tell me the go ahead, you know, She's like, well, you're putting him down awake, right? And blah, 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 blah. And you're doing this, right? And I was like, no. And so I left there thinking like, oh my gosh, like, what have I been doing wrong? You know, she, I felt very like shamed for it. But then I realized like, wait a second, even our sleep consultant who I haven't even really started working yet told me she's not going to start working with us until we have this go ahead at this developmental stage. So let's just dive into all that. Like, yeah, what, you know, what are the typical, um, fears and hesitations you see? And then can you just share like why it's actually so important to, um, give yourself the space and permission to, to sleep train if it's right for your family. Right. And I think that's the biggest key right there. If it's right for your family, because that maybe is a myth that you have to sleep train. You don't have to. Like if what you're doing is working for you and your baby, everyone's healthy and happy for the most part, then you don't have, you're doing it fine. There's no one going to tell you that you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biggest thing that those that want to sleep train but hesitate is typically the crying. Um, Nobody loves to hear their baby cry. And it is extremely hard. And it is part of our nature as mothers that when our babies cry, we literally feel it in our body. Like, and that's not a bad thing. Like it was, it's, it's very primal, I guess you could say. And that's okay. It's, it's not a bad thing. But at the same time, knowing that um, there are, different types of stress that we all produce, um, we all experience. Some are good stresses. Like if you think about, we'll go use exercise as an example. Like it doesn't always feel so good to lift the weights that are slightly heavier than what you're used to. But if you're keeping good form and you are prepared, yeah, it's not the easiest, but it's good stress because it's helping you, you build your muscle. It's the same thing with our children, whether you want to think about sleep training or any other sort of developmental growth that they're doing, it's going to be stressful at the beginning, but as they learn how to, to grow and mature in that area, they get better at it. It's a good thing. You're helping them grow. So, um, and that's one of the myths is that sleep training, um, that I want to touch on is equals cry it out. So yes, most of the time there's crying involved, but it doesn't always equal this, extinction method. That is like the one extreme of sleep training. Sleep training is more of an umbrella of multiple methods that you can use. You could go from, there's a method called the no cry sleep solution, which is the one that I actually tried with my oldest. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going crazy now. So (laughs) it is obviously um, to create no tears. It takes 
a long time to do it. There are plenty of people who have had great success in it. Um, I don't, it did not work for me or my child because of our personalities. I think where we were at that point, stuff like that. So um, not knocking the no cry solution because it does work for some families and that might be your family. And then on the other extreme is the cry it out. Again, this isn't, um, that is more extreme, but it is not as terrible as it is made out to be when you're doing it in a holistic approach. So sleep training isn't just focusing on those sleep times. It should be looked at a holistic approach. So if you think about even as adults, our sleep is affected by how we live our day. We have a day full of caffeine and run, 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 run. When we go to bed at night, we're not just going to fall asleep. We're going to still be amped up and struggling. And we might cry a little bit trying to get to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the same thing with our children is if we look at the whole approach, we look at their schedule, what they're eating, when they're eating, when you're lying them down to sleep, just all the things really play into the equation. It's just a big puzzle. So finding all of those pieces. So when you're doing all those puzzle pieces together, and if for your family, for um, your child's temperament, your parenting styles, that's when we kind of figure out which actual sleep training technique you decide to use during the sleep times. But again, sleep training incorporates so much more than just whether or not your baby's going to cry during sleep. So um, that is one of them. Um, And then let's see, uh, sleep training is damaging. That's a very common thing going around right now. And I was teasing before we got on about how I have all these notes <laughs> about this. So I found this really amazing article written by a PhD doctor. Um, and she explained about the three different types of stress. So there's the like the positive stress response, which is what we were just talking about when it comes to exercise and that sort of thing. Um, those are like brief and mild to moderate in magnitude. Um, and then when they have a child has that caring, responsive parent involved, they're able to work through it and then they learn from it. And from their studies, they've seen that yes, initially, cause you can test, I feel like I'm all over the place. You can test cortisol through just the saliva and cortisol too gets a bad rap. We all need it. It's helpful for our stress management. It helps keep us awake during the day and it too follows a circadian rhythm. So it spikes in the morning. It's one of the things that help us get up. So when they tested that in children with just like this mild, moderate um, stressor, it did spike. But then when they tested them, like they had a similar stressful event, like the next day, Um, they responded in the same way. So they were still crying, but when they tested the cortisol level, it didn't move. So that showed that even though the response physically, like the way we could see it was the same, they were still crying when you could see it in their body, their body had learned like, Oh, we've been through this and we made it. We're okay. Because they had that response from, from their family. But, um, so all that to say, it's, it's not going to be damaging for that. Um, a lot of the people that warn about it being damaging, like all the crying is going to be harmful for the brain and it's super stressful and all of this, they talk about a test or a research study that was done. It was completely taken out of context. Um, it was talking about babies that were subjected to a chronic neglect or abuse um, or raised in orphanages that lacked strong attachment figures. So this is an example of chronic 
toxic stress, which yes, can lead to brain damage, but, um, sleep training is not that, <laughs> Study yeah. that um, just to kind of reference you like millennials and Gen Zers. Um, it was going around TikTok a lot. I don't know if you saw that, but mm-hmm. there, I saw like some chick had made, she was like a college girl and she was like, sleep training is bad for this reason. I did my thesis on this. And she, she talked about that particular study. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be like, no, it is out of context. <laughs> that's not the case look into the actual study a little bit more also like you're in college and you probably don't have any babies yet and like tell me what happens when you get there yeah exactly (laughs) the petty side of me but um just kidding but anyway I think part of it too that's good to note is like the way that you approach it is like you said it's human and like you're not our babies are not robots they're not machines like you don't have to be super rigid by any means. And if you feel like you're in, in your instinct, something else is going on and you need to quote unquote, break the rules, that's what you do. Um, and foundationally, like you said, like what you're doing throughout the day with them plays such a big role in how night sleep goes as well. Mm-hmm. So when I was thinking about it, I mean, you know, Silas picked up on it in like four days, I think he slept yeah, yeah. in like four days or something like that. And I was like, you know what, if he had, got, if it was at the point where we were doing this method and he was just crying and carrying on for like hours, I would have been like, okay, this isn't right. This isn't right. Or like something else is going on at this point. Um, mm-hmm. and we would have probably reevaluated Absolutely. However, because we were so diligent with his wake windows during the day, the amount of sleep he was getting during the day, the amount of food he was getting during the day, he was set up just fine for those naps and that nighttime routine that maybe if he fussed, it was for 10 minutes and then he slept and he slept through the night. And I was like, that's such a good, I didn't really think about it in that way before we sleep trained until we got there. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, it never had to be this crazy, like neglectful like teach him how to do this thing it's just like if his needs are met and you're diligent about it it's going to come naturally and it doesn't have to be this like crazy Mm -hmm. long frustrating thing I had a glass of wine on night one (laughs) and after that we were great it was like yeah from there so yeah and that's the thing is we want to set them up for success and that's part of our role as parents is to help our children to grow mature and um, setting them up for success is the best way to do that. And that's why we take this holistic approach to sleep, because like you said, when you prepare them throughout the day to get this great sleep at night and throughout the day during their naps, Mm -hmm. they're less likely to cry a ton. And some babies, like we all have a little pent up anxiety sometimes. And the best way to get it out is through crying. And that's crying. Isn't something to to fear, you know? Um, and like you said, you kind of gain this instinct of, you know, that, that seems different. I need to check on them. Let me see what's going on. But Mm -hmm. you end up learning like, okay, he's just, you know, had a busy day or whatever it may be. And you can just give them that space to vent, to let it out. And it's that in itself is very healthy instead of teaching them to just always be quiet. (laughs) Right. right. And yeah. so, So that, you know, like, okay, when they are crying in this way, like I know to intervene and it's not just absolutely every time. And it's not, um, 
never, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll give an example like a month or so ago. So Ford's been sleeping through the night. He was, um, fully sleeping through the night around nine months. Um, he was still waking like once a night to eat, um, up until then, but so, but never really crying to go to sleep, anything like that. He would babble and fall asleep. And since then he hasn't really woken up. Well, about a month ago, it was like around midnight and he woke up like scream crying. And I was like, this is not normal. Um, I still gave him a minute because his eyes were still closed. So I'm like, well, maybe he's just transitioning because that's another thing. Sometimes babies cry a little bit when they transition between sleep cycles. Mm -hmm. So I got up and I went to the bathroom and I was like, if he's still crying when I get out of the bathroom, I'm just going to go in there. I was in the bathroom for like two minutes and he was still really upset. So I went in, I turned on the light and he continued to cry. I still to this day don't really know why he was crying because by the time he got back down to bed and that was another thing, like I sat with him when, once he calmed down, I snuggled him and all of that. Um, and he calmed down and I laid him back down in bed and he did not want me to leave. So I stayed like, and guess what? he hasn't done it since. And I didn't change anything else after that night. Like I said, I don't know what was going on, but he needed me. And so I went and the next day I didn't assume. And I think this is another thing too, is, um, I didn't just assume that, Oh no, we've ruined it. Now I'm going to have to do that every time. So then I did it every time. No, I was like, that's a one-time thing. We're going to go back to what we normally do. And I did, and he did fine. So, um, but all that to say is like, like Chelsea was saying, babies aren't robots. Um, they are human and sometimes they just need their mama or they unfortunately get sick or whatever it may be. So this isn't a forever follow these rigid rules to have a perfectly sleeping child all the time. <laughs> yeah. I have an example from literally last night. We, we drove to Raleigh. I'm here for the weekend for my sister-in-law's baby shower. And so the nap, like I always try to you know drive during his longer nap but he never actually sleeps you know yeah. the way that I think well, that's okay we just kind of roll yeah. with it and so he slept for like 45 minutes woke up I fed him and then we finished the rest of the ride he fell back asleep for maybe another 45 minutes or so and so when we got here um he was really overwhelmed like his cousins came and he I could tell he was like very stimulated and he started to get really cranky around like six and usually we put him down at seven so I was like you know I think let's just start bedtime routine I'll try to lengthen it as long as I can and maybe he'll go down around 6 30. well he was just like fussy as all can be and hardly even stayed in the bath and just I was like okay he must be like really tired so we did our routine, read him some books, put him down and he just wasn't going down. And I could tell by the way he was acting and his cry. I was like, this isn't just, I'm tired, fussy. I'm like overtired at this point. Let him just settle himself. It was like, something's up. So I had already fed him a four ounce bottle and then he got up and he ended up taking another five. Oh, wow. so I was like, okay, he was just really hungry. <laughs> yeah. If he's not hungry, he don't eat like that. That's for sure. Um, and so maybe because of our trip, he like didn't yeah. eat quite as much earlier in the day and whatever. So got him up, fed him the rest of whatever he needed, five ounces and put him down maybe like five after seven. And he went right to sleep. Didn't even yeah. pass a wink. And I was like, okay, that's such yeah. a perfect example of like, you just learn and you mold and you figure it out but now he has the skill and the foundation to like settle himself back down even if there are nights he wakes up 
at three, yeah. four in the morning. I go in, settle him if I need to. And he goes right back. And yeah. my life does not revolve around um, figuring <laughs> out an exercise ball. Yeah. I literally <laughs> pop mine after we had like train. Cause I'm like, I hate this thing. Yes. I was like you bouncing on it for hours. Yeah. And like, I think that's a misconception. Yeah. The myth of sleep training is that it's, it equals teaching your child to sleep through the night. So then you do have to wait till a certain time, but sleep training is really teaching your child to fall asleep independently, even if they're waking in the night to nurse or eat, um, whatever it may be. But then once they're done eating, you lay them back down awake and they get themselves back to sleep. So that's all it really is. Um, and because I don't encourage dropping feeds completely until they're at least over six, seven months old, some babies can sleep completely through the night at that age. But then, like I said, um, my four didn't, he's such a distractible eater that I didn't want to force a drop feed in the night. So I just followed his lead and that's totally fine. And that's a nice thing that you can, um, also do with sleep training is you can still feed on demand and <laughs> teach your child to sleep independently. So right. right. It's very helpful. That is huge. And like I said, we are just like, whew, man, forever grateful. We will definitely be doing this next time around as well. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to have you tell everybody where to connect with you, but first I'm going to, I've been ending each episode with, um, with interviews just to have everyone say what their milestone mantra would be. So like, if you could just tell women or moms today that are listening to this, whether they want to be a mom one day or they're pregnant now, or maybe they're in the thick of not sleeping, um, (laughs) what little like piece of encouragement do you want to just tell them today? Progress is not linear. So we have this idea that when we learn something new, we implement it, and then it's a straight shot to success. But even like Chelsea said, that the beginning of sleep training is rocky. It's up and down. It's a little bit of a roller coaster. It's some trial and error, and that is completely applicable to every part of motherhood. Um, And you have to give yourself a lot of grace um, and then have the humility to ask for help. And um, yeah, you will get there. But just having that right perspective and expectation of, I might take two steps forward and five steps back, but you're going to get back up and get going. So, yes, that's so true. And then you look back and you realize like how far you've actually come in the grand scheme of things. I remember reflecting on that when we did start working with you, because I was thinking that we were just so all over the place. But by the time we had gotten to you, we had already done so much mm-hmm. work prior with like getting him from sleeping on just me yeah. to the crib for naps. And I'm like, so much happened in between there that felt like we lived so many seasons that were wacky and like we regressed here and there. But ultimately we got so far from point A to point B when I took the time to actually reflect. You just needed that final nudge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's a really good point and it can be applied to so many different things in motherhood. So thank you for that. Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can connect with you and potentially work with you if they're going to get some sleep help as well? 
Absolutely. So my business name is Goodnight Families and I have a website, goodnightfamilies.com and Instagram and Facebook at Goodnight Families. Um, and I currently, I just started doing working with newborn families. Um, I created a newborn sleep guide that you can buy just the guide and it's, you know, a DIY kind of thing, or you can also purchase support and the varying packages just has the different amount of support that you would like to get throughout those newborn days. Um, and it also includes a little bit of a discount for a sleep training package, should you need one or want one. Um, and, and so, yeah, you can find me there or email me at hello at goodnightfamilies.com. So, and I start sleep training, um, good rule of thumb is around 16 weeks. So that four month sleep regression, if you're noticing your baby was sleeping, okay. And then they're like, all of a sudden back to newborn days, they've hit that four month regression. <laughs> and that's the yeah. ideal time to yeah. start working if you want to do that. Yes. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for yeah. taking the time to chat with us this afternoon. Um, sure. We'll be chatting again soon. Yeah. In so. the meantime, um, Thank you so much. We'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye.